When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast. Day when the faith 
shall be sign. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my story to that song, don't you? Do you know that? that uh, and I've, I may quote some of it wrong, but you can Google it when you, when you leave. The, the gentleman who wrote that song, uh, his family was coming to America on the Titanic, and he lost his whole family right there when the ship sank. And so when he, he came back uh, just a little while later, he had asked the captain to tell him when they got to the spot, and when they got to the spot, And that's when he, he looking at the sea billows rolling, when sorrows like sea billows roll. And then he, he wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Lost his whole family. But because of the anchoring that he had in Jesus Christ, he genuinely could say, It is well with my soul. What an incredible foundation so when you when you go home today google that and you can read the whole story and the the parts that my memory has has messed up you know you can correct it because it's really better than even what i, I shared with you but a tremendous thank you choir and, and terry for uh, for leading us in, in that music thank you so much the the scripture i want us to look at today it's a, it's a chapter it's, it's part of a, a pretty big story actually uh, but acts chapter nine story starts earlier when, when Stephen is stoned and, and he's killed. And we read the end of chapter 7, the, the first of chapter 8, that when they, they killed Stephen, who was one of the first disciples, I mean, excuse me, the, the first deacons, they killed Stephen and they laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And then in chapter 8, the church was scattered. So they've gone everywhere. Saul, in the meantime, has been persecuting the church, and this is where we pick up in Acts chapter 9. The scripture says, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. 
And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Then Saul said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the man who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Bow with me together now. Heavenly Father, we're thankful. Thankful for your word and thankful, God, that what you spoke 2,000 years ago to a man on a, a dirty, dusty road traveling, you'd say to us today, help us to hear you as we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this, this scripture, this, this chapter is a challenging one to me, and I think maybe a challenging one to, to all of us as, as a church. Because you start the chapter, and, and Saul, he's, he's been to school, he's learned everything, he's one of the most intelligent and educated men of his day. He says in other places he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had everything right. He had the law down as perfectly, practically, as anybody in his day could have it. And he was trying, he, he thought in his own mind, by, by his plan and his definition, he was trying to serve God. He was diligent at it. And he's going about what his plan was, and God stops him absolutely slapped dead, stone dead in his tracks. Just going about his business, persecuting the, the Christians, the church, early church. Thought he was doing right. And God stops him. And in that encounter, he hears the voice and, and Saul basically says, you know, who are you? And Jesus says, I'm, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And then Saul asks the million dollar question when he encounters Jesus Christ, what do you want me to do? And that's the same question that you and I really need to ask. Because if you're like me, it's easy for me to do and for you to do what we want to do. It's easy for us to devise a plan. In the, in the world today, in the church today, we're good at coming up with strategies. This is where I want to be. And these are the steps, this is a strategy, and, and these are the tactics we're going to use to get there. And so we develop it, and a lot of times it can sound good on paper. What Saul was doing sounded good on paper, at least to him. You know, this was the Old Testament law. This is what people were supposed to do when, when Jesus Christ preached what they thought was something different, and they thought he was making himself equal to God. Well, he actually was. He said, I am God. I and the Father am one. So they weren't mistaken in that. He, he said he was God. And so Saul decided, I've got to persecute all these people because they're, they're rebelling against God. 
No, they weren't rebelling against God. And God stopped him right in his tracks. And when Saul encountered Jesus Christ, when he encountered the risen Christ, he said, what do you want me to do? Now for you and me, some of us, We've been going through life on our own plan and we've got it all mapped out. We know what we want to do and how we want to get to where we want to get. And we're taking the steps to get there. But today are we having eyes that are open enough and ears that are open enough to hear Jesus Christ when he stops us. When he says the same thing he did to Saul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now you and I, we're, we're not killing anybody, I hope, like, like Saul was. We're not persecuting people, hopefully, like Saul was. But if we're doing our own thing, our own way, then what we're doing is similar in that we're putting up barriers and we're putting up roadblocks to keep people away from Jesus Christ. You know, we're not trying as a church, as a living body of Christ today, our goal isn't to call people to, to come to Conway Baptist Church as much as we want them to do that. We want them in here with us. But the goal is Jesus Christ, not, not here. And we want to bring people to him. So, so Saul's going and he's doing his own thing and, and God stops him. But then God's speaking to somebody else at a similar time. Ananias in verse 10. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. To me, that's an incredible prayer and encounter right there. Now, Ananias, is, is, he's not mistaken. He's not going on gossip. You know, we go on gossip, and you hear gossip on the news and gossip on Facebook, and, and some of it's true, some of it's not true, but you hear all kind of things. Ananias isn't just saying, hey, I heard from a lot of people, and, and this guy's persecuting, and this guy's got letters from the chief priest, and he can do us damage. And then God said, no, Ananias, you're wrong about all that. No, he wasn't wrong about all that. That was true. That was accurate. So when Ananias goes to God in prayer and, and Ananias is praying and God speaks to Ananias' heart and he gives him a message and he says, go to Straight Street, the Judas house. There's a guy named Saul there who's praying. Well, Saul was a Pharisee. That's not unusual that he'd have been praying. Pharisees wore the, the different paraphernalia on their bodies that, that indicated how prayerful they, they, were, they were. So still, that message isn't different. Saul's praying. Okay. 
but go into Straight Street, or a street called Straight, go into Straight Street to where Saul was. That was an absolutely radical, life-altering mission that God gave Ananias. What God told Ananias is, I want you to believe me and trust me enough that when the scriptures say, when Jesus said to the crowd, for instance, you've got to deny yourself and be willing to take up your cross and follow me, God's saying to Ananias here, I, I want you to be willing to put your life in my hands that if I am mistaking you and misleading you and Saul's life really isn't changed, you're going to die today. Now, if you got that kind of message in a prayer, would you go to Straight Street? They'd have probably had a book in the Bible about me that'd be like Jonah. You know, where Jonah was, was going in the opposite direction, he didn't want to go to, to Nineveh. He didn't want to do that. Well, I don't know how thrilled I would have been or honestly you would have been to go to Straight Street where Saul was to talk to him because the man had not just a search warrant, he had a death warrant for anybody who was a believer in Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ said to Ananias, go to where he is. Don't hide from him. Don't run from him. Don't try to ignore him or, or, or just close your door. Go to where he is. So Ananias says to God, in a, in a paraphrase, Ananias says, I don't, I'm not crazy. I don't want to do that. And God says in verse 13, go. Talking about Saul. He is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles. Now, he's a Pharisee of Pharisees. Gentiles at this point now, in Acts chapter 9, they were not sharing Jesus Christ with the Gentiles. The Jews were sharing Jesus with Jewish Christians, were sharing Jesus with other Jewish Christians. It's not, it's not, he, it isn't happening yet. And God says to Ananias, he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles. That's, all, that's another red flag. Wait a minute, I thought Jesus Christ was for us. And God's saying, I picked him for the Gentiles. Now, this is turning Ananias' world absolutely upside down. And kings, kings were killing the church, not, not hearing from the church. And the children of Israel, what, Gentiles and the children, Gentiles and Jews. I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. That flies in the face of our prosperity gospel today, doesn't it? God told Ananias in the beginning, I'm going to teach Saul what suffering's all about. He thinks he's making Christians suffer. I'm going to teach him how you suffer when you follow me. But now, if we fast forward to the end of, of, of Paul's life, his name's changed, and I don't want to preach on this, but you fast forward to the end of Paul's life, he had no regrets. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished the race. Now, there's laid up for me the crown of glory. So he finished. He, Paul was happy about what he did. 
But in this moment in time, Ananias is sent by God to a person who had come to his town, to Ananias' town, to kill him. And in a vision or in a dream, God says to him, go to him. He's picked by me to share the gospel with Gentiles, which is a whole other world, not just the Jewish people. And Ananias does what to me, this is one of the most amazing things in all of Scripture on a human standpoint. And Ananias, this is verse 17, Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as, as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now again, I put myself in this story. If I agreed to go, I probably would have walked in with an attitude. All right. God sent me. I hope you are who you say you are. But Ananias walked in and laid his hands on him. And the first thing he did is call him brother. Not only did Ananias put his life in God's hands, he allowed God to break down and tear down and obliterate any barrier he had between himself and Saul. And he called him brother. You know, we're, folks, we're good at building barriers. They can be racial, they can be economic, they can be, you know, blood. You know, that Hatfields and McCoys. One of my friends in college was actually a Hatfield. And I asked him, just joking one day, Hatfield, oh, you one of those Hatfields? And he laughed, he said, actually, yeah. And Mark, Mark Hatfield, and I said, well, what was the fight all about? And he said, to be honest, there are things people say, but truthfully, don't, I don't know. But that was a blood feud. You know, we, we build all kinds of barriers, all kinds of barriers. And Ananias right here, this is a murderer who basically has come to find him. And God sent him to Saul and Ananias called him brother. Folks, the, the mission of the church, the task of the church is, is pretty simple as you read through Scripture. We're to glorify God. We're to make disciples. And then we're to bless and preserve our community. Ananias really did all three of those things right here in one phrase. Or one encounter. He glorified God by believing him enough to do it. And then he laid his hands on Saul and he called him brother. And then through prayer, God gave Saul the gift of the Holy Spirit right there. It changed everything. Everything in Damascus changed that day. Everything. And God allowed Ananias to be a part of it. You know, for you and me, God wants to do the same thing in Conway and, and beyond. 
He didn't just do this one time, a long, long time ago, and some super guy named Ananias was willing to trust God enough that he went to Saul, and God did a, a miracle. The scales, the next verse, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. He arose and was baptized. So when he received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. So he, he, Saul was the miracle of blindness in the beginning, then the miracle of the scales being removed when, when Ananias laid his hands on it. God didn't just use a, a follower to lay his hands on a brand new convert and do a miracle back then. He'll do it now. What to me is incredible about this story is that God used Ananias who was willing to surrender his very life to take Saul on a journey that was a disciple's journey. See, Ananias was the first person who discipled Saul. Saul knew everything. He knew it all. He knew the Old Testament law. He knew it. But God stopped him in his tracks and God was speaking to him and he used Ananias to connect Saul to the early church, to the believers. And, and then he stayed for a time with them. And they were discipling him. That's what was happening. Disciple making doesn't happen in here. It happens out there. When we're living life with people and when they see what it looks like, for a follower of Jesus Christ to actually live like him. And they look at us and they can honestly say, oh, that's, that's kind of what Jesus looks like. Well, no, not perfect, but we're headed in that direction. We're trying, we're striving. Because don't you know, Saul was not stupid. And as he's praying and God's saying, there's somebody named Ananias who's going to come lay, on, lay hands on you, don't you know Saul was most likely thinking, God, is he really going to do that? Is he really going to not be afraid of me? Is he is one of the believers, is he really coming to where I am? And then when Ananias walked through the door, it showed Saul right there on the spot, hey, these followers of Jesus Christ, they really are willing to lay down their life because that's what that man just did. Because I could have killed him. I've got the letters right here so you and i get to show people what jesus christ looks like if you we won't we won't read the whole thing but if you you flip over in, in my bible it's one page and it's acts chapter 11 now saul's been been blessed by ananias and so then peter goes to cornelius and and god gives the holy spirit to the gentiles in acts chapter 11 they're still just preaching to jews and barnabas goes to antioch and he sees what God's doing in, in kind of the middle of chapter 11, verse 25. Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Now look at the connection there. The murderer becomes a convert. Ananias goes to bless him and, and for God to heal him through, through Ananias' touch and prayer. And so then when God is about to explode the gospel and send it out from Antioch to the whole world, which includes you and me. Now, I'm not Jewish. If I did 
what's the thing, 23 and me or whatever, there's, there's got to be some somewhere. But, it, but as Gentiles, we're connected to Acts chapter 11. When they broke out of Jerusalem and they sent it to, to all the world, and the person Barnabas went to go disciple the Antioch believers was Paul, who saw with the name change. That's him. Oh, my goodness. God used one of his followers as he was changing Saul's life. Now, the, to me, the, the, the strength here is Ananias isn't who stopped Saul on the Damascus Road. God did that. So you and I aren't the people who've got to work in somebody's life. We're not, we don't, that's not our task. Our task is to be surrendered to Jesus Christ. God's doing work that you and I don't know anything about. Ananias didn't know that God was calling Saul. He didn't know anything about that, nothing about it. But God stopped Saul in his tracks. Ananias, unbeknownst to him, God's about to include him in, in an incredible thing that he's doing that literally changed the world. God's working in people's lives right now in Conway. You and I don't have to be the people to figure out whose life he's working in. We don't have to do that. Sometimes it's obvious to see because we know them well enough and we, we see what's happening. But a lot of times we don't know anything about it. But what your task and my task is to be willing to lay down our life to go to those people and to be God's hands and feet. To surrender to him. You see, Ananias put his life and his reputation on the line by going to Saul. There are a lot of, of young people, a lot of young people here today, but there are a lot of them around us. Are you willing to do what Ananias did? Ananias basically took Saul under his arm for, for a while. And then God raised Paul up to a far, far greater place than Ananias ever had. Are you and am I willing to lay our life and our reputation on the line to take a new believer under our arm and to pour into them and then to watch and see what God does in their life? You know, the, the youth that, that, that meet here at Conway, the students that meet in the afternoon, I mean a whole crowd of them. There are a lot of them that God's working in their lives and we don't always know what he's doing but do we love the Lord enough and trust him enough that we'll lay everything down for them? And that when they might have a hard time, depending on what their story is, they might have a hard time like Saul did. They go back home and the people at home don't know what God did at Shawan. They just know what they were like before. And it might be that you and I are the people who need to do what Ananias did, which is to say, I believe in this person and I know what God did in his life. You can, you can trust him. That's disciple making. When we'll lay our reputation down, not just for the other person, but in the name of Jesus Christ. I've mentioned my, my best friend several times before, I think, Richard Weeks. Richard was, is my successor where I used to be director of missions. Twenty years or, or however long ago, 
when he was just going into ministry, it was 20 or 25 years ago, a church in the area was looking for a pastor and, and they called him and, and set up an appointment for him to, to preach at their church to do a trial sermon. Well then, and this was all in the same county, so then they found out about his history before he became a believer. And they never showed up the day that, that he was supposed, that he preached at his home church and they were supposed to come and hear him at the trial sermon. And the people never showed up. And when he called them later, he said, well, I was expecting you at such and such a church. What happened? And they said, we found out about your past and we don't need a pastor like you. That was 20-something years ago, and, and honestly, that church has struggled for the whole time. And I'm not saying it's because of that, but, but they have. Oh, God's lifted Richard up and blessed him beyond measure. And he's director of missions leading 57 churches, and God's anointing is on him because his past that they heard about, oh, it's true. They probably didn't even hear it all. But when God changed him, he changed him. And there are people who God's put in our pathway that we need to put our arms around and say, this is my brother, this is my sister. And then when the community says, oh, I heard about them, then we can be like Ananias and say, you didn't hear about the new them. You heard about the old them. Folks, that's faith. Because, you see, we don't have to just trust the person. We've got to trust Jesus Christ that he really did change them. When he lays on our heart, we've got to be willing to do it. Saul asked that incredible question when Jesus Christ encountered him. What do you want me to do? That's the same question that you and I have to answer today. What do you want me to do? And when God reveals it, We've got to be willing, just like Ananias was, to follow him. What do you want me to do? Bow with me together in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for who you are. Uh, God, we're thankful for what you do. And we are humbled that you would include us in your redemptive purpose for this world. God, there are people in whose lives you're working that some of them are probably, if we were outside and had the doors open, they're probably within earshot. And God, we, oh, please let us be the people who bless them. Please let us be the people who call them brother and sister. Please, God, please let us be like Ananias that you send. And that your blessing can flow through us. And God, that we can see miracles in their lives like Ananias saw in, in Saul's life. That they'll be just as different as Saul was who got a name change and everything changed. God, let us see that in people's lives. And let it happen in our life that we trust you like Ananias did. God, we surrender. We don't pretend to know what you're up to. But, oh, God, we want to be a part of it. And we thank you. Because we know you want us to be a part of it. Lord, we surrender to you.
as we offer this prayer in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Our invitation this morning is open my eyes that I may see. You know, maybe we're blind just like Saul was. And our prayer should be that God will open our eyes that we'll see. That we'll see others and we'll see him. The altar's open. You can come and, and kneel right here or you can sit on the front pews and kneel. Uh, I'll be at the front to receive you. If you're here this morning and you're like Saul was before the name change and you've been doing your own thing, this is the day, please, to change that. You know, don't answer me because I'm begging you. Answer Jesus Christ because he's the one calling you. He's the one saying to you, you you've actually been persecuting me. Well, this is your day to simply come and say, Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do? He'll answer you just as clearly as he did Saul. He will. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like Ananias and God's got a mission for you. And it might be dangerous just like the one God sent Ananias on. It might be. Are you willing to do the same thing? To come before your brothers and sisters and say, Lord Jesus, I'll lay down my life for you. Whatever it is, wherever it is, and however it is, that's what I'll do. What do you want me to do? We're going to stand and sing now, and it's our time of response. Hymn number 502, Open My Eyes That I May See. <laughs>